What's up, everyone? In this pod, Corey and I get into some Debbie running backs for the 21 class. I talk about who we like, who we don't like. We introduced a couple new segments and had some fun going over a depleted Debbie draft we just completed in one of our leagues. Rate, review, subscribe. Otherwise, sit back and relax. Let's hit it. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode three of the Devi Dispensary Podcast. As always, I got my guy, Corey. What's up, man? What's up, Doug, man? Everything's going good over here. Uh, starting to open up a little bit over here in Canada, and uh, it's nice to get back to everyday life and get back to work. But I've been excited to get into this Devi podcast we're about to do and dig deep into these 21 running backs. Yes, definitely, man. So jumping right off, I want to take a look at the latest news in a new segment we're going to call the latest buzz. We're going to take a look at Will Shipley choosing Clemson over Notre Dame. And as a guy that doesn't like Notre Dame, I'm a fan of this move. Now there is DeMarcus Bowman there who committed last year. How do you see Will Shipley and DeMarcus Bowman working together? Um, you know, Will Shipley is more of a versatile type player anyways. Like he spent a lot of time at wide receiver catching the ball. Uh, I think he's going to compliment DeMarcus really well. And uh, I know last year was essentially like the Etienne show and it was all him. But I mean, if you go back to 2018, there were like 217 attempts that went to other running backs. So I, I think that there's going to be room for them to share. Clemson's in enough blowouts to get both of these guys work. And I think he's going to compliment them well. I mean, he's he's a 5'11 guy, 200 pounds. He's an all-purpose back. So I don't know if he's going to really be a heavy workload guy. I just think he's going to be a nice complimentary piece. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think with with Bowman having the year, you know, in advance, he'll probably get the majority of the shares. Um, Shipley's freshman year, but I think Shipley's talented enough that he could, he'll definitely see some carries in that backfield. And you know, they, they're just a four and five star machine right now, churning out running backs. It's wide receivers or any prospect. It's pretty impressive what Clemson's doing. And then one of the other big commitments recently was Zach Evans finally, finally commit <laughs> somewhere. But it was a surprise. TCU. I did not see that one coming, man. No, I didn't either. You know, I, he's been going all over the place. I mean, was he going to land at a, a high elite program? Was he going to land? There was rumors of Florida there. I mean, there was the whole thing with Georgia. But I mean, the, the talent is evident with this guy. I mean, it's obvious what he can put on the field. But I mean, the character concerns are real. The getting suspended, I think, twice last year, once in the title state game for his not giving up his phone. Uh, he broke team rules early. Uh, there was that quote even last year that came out in his uh, recruitment year where he was uh, saying he doesn't even watch NFL. He doesn't watch college. Like, like what? Like, I mean, I want I want my running back to love the game, you know, learn from the game, watch the game. How is this guy going to appreciate what other backs are doing and stuff if he's not watching the game? So I don't know. I mean. He, he was crazy productive in high school, but what do you think about him landing here at TCU? You know, he's one of those guys that I drafted, what, even a couple years ago in one of our leagues, and I loved his talent, but didn't know anything else about the off-the-field stuff. That started to come out, you know, after I drafted him. So he's a guy that I followed closely throughout the whole process, and it seemed like, all right, he's going to go here. It's like, all right, that's a lock. Sure, that makes sense. It's in-state or something, you know. It's like he, he had looked at Alabama, he had looked at LSU, and then all of a sudden you start hearing these things. Well, maybe they're no longer looking at him. Like, all right, well, that's a little weird. Then there was the Georgia thing where he signed and then didn't sign. It was it was very bizarre. And then, yeah, like you said, there was Florida, Tennessee, I think. It seems like there were more teams linked to him than not. Um, you know, it's surprising to see him land at TCU. And it's unfortunate because I did like uh, Foster to kind of – breakthrough this year in that backfield and he still might but I think ultimately Evan's talent if he can keep his head straight will keep him on the field but you know uh, it's it'll be an interesting situation until I actually see him on the field I'm gonna be skeptical do you want to try to take a stab at Foster's first name I want to hear it because I don't know how the hell to say that oh man uh I'm gonna go with Dimarqua Dimarqua okay we're gonna go with that from now on if we mentioned him (laughs) yeah uh We'll just call him Mark. Yeah, <laughs> Mark there, you go, there you go. <laughs> uh, D. Mark Foster. There we go. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like that kid, you know, he's got some he's got some speed. He was a according to 247 Sports. I think he was on their top 10 list for running back. So he's a he's a guy that I like. He's got some some very good speed. And it's a guy that, you know, I think will at least compete with Evans. Um, 
but we'll see where it at, where it goes. Uh, maybe he's a guy that ends up transferring out at some point. Um, and speaking of transfers, we got the NCA potential vote tomorrow on a one-time transfer rule. Now there's been some confusion here where they've talked about postponing it. Like maybe it could happen on May 20th. Maybe it could be pushed all the way to January, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Cause it kind of would usher in kind of a, a modified free agency for college football. And I think that's really going to have interesting impacts on, you know, Debbie or campus to Canton leagues where guys like Justin Shorter or Lorenzo Lingard of Florida that, you know, haven't gotten the waivers yet would get immediate eligibility. And I can't figure out the waiver process as it is with the NCAA. You know, some guys get it. Other guys don't. It seems to be the high profile guys that get it. So it'll be interesting. What are your thoughts on a potential kind of free agency in college football? Yeah, I mean, the NCAA just seems to do whatever the hell they want and make up rules as they go. I mean, I've been trying to understand this waiver process and how it gets approved and who gets approved. I mean, some of these stories don't even make sense. You got guys who want to go home to take care of their sick grandmothers. I can't remember that one guy's name who couldn't get a damn rule. And you uh, got the, was it Luke Ford? Yeah, Illinois, yeah, right? yeah, I think it was Luke Ford. And then I think it was Justin Fields transfer and he got immediate time because what he got called a racial slur from the stands or something. But I mean, that's it seems kind of ridiculous, but uh, I do think these guys should have more freedom like this. I, I think it would make uh, college football a lot more interesting to see these guys move around, at least from a fan perspective. I get it from other perspectives. I mean, the, the dedication to staying to one place, the earning your playing time, everything like that. But, you know, I think it would bring in a fun era into the college football and probably bring in more attention from people who haven't been paying attention to college that much. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's you know, it's probably a much deeper conversation that we're going to have right now, whether the players should be able, allowed to transfer, but you know, the coaches are allowed to move at their will. And they're the guys that are recruiting these players, these kids and saying, yeah, you know, come to us, commit to me. And then, you know, they get a bigger contract and they're, they're gone. So yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting, you know, for a one-time transfer, it, I could see it working. It would, it would be interesting. I know some some coaches have spoken out about it. I think one article I read notably talking about college basketball was uh, Purdue's coach, Matt Painter. He was not a fan of it. So I should probably do some more research and just try and figure it out. But um, it's possible the vote will have happened by the time this you know actually airs. So it'll be interesting. So last pod, we mentioned our top three running backs for – the 2021 draft class top three that are eligible. And I don't think it's really any surprise. You know, you have Etienne in there, you've got Najee in there and you've got Hubbard in there. And that's, those are pretty much the three guys. If, if anyone cracks that top three, I'll be surprised, but I know you're really high on Najee. Um, why don't you, why don't you talk about him for a minute? Yeah, you know, I was actually lower on Najee going into 2018, but uh, yeah, he just kept impressing me throughout the season. I mean, the movement at that size, the 6'2", the the versatility with the 27 catches and the seven touchdown receptions. I mean, some of the catches he made too, they were hard catches. They were down the field. This wasn't just getting dumped off to the side or whatever. I know 27 isn't a big splashy number, but it's the way he did it. I mean, he looked like a weapon out there. I mean, he was running over guys, running around guys. To me, the only downside to this guy that everybody wants to point at is the fact that he's 23 years old. But, I mean, running backs are only as good as their first contract anyways. I don't care about a running back coming in at 23 years old because he's going to be out of the league by the time he's 28 anyways. So, I mean, I'm not worried about that age. Some of the testing, too, for him was a little bit slow coming out of high school. I think he tested a 4-6 or something like that. But, I mean, you look at all these guys, Jefferson, uh, Justin Jefferson, Saquon Barkley, uh, DK Metcalf because they were all guys who tested super poorly coming out of high school so I mean it, it's half of this thing is technique half of it is doesn't mean anything anyway so yeah Najee's number two for me but uh, I had to move him up above my Canadian boy Hubbard but uh, I know you're a big Hubbard guy I know he takes the number two spot for you so what do you like with Hubbard yeah the guy just impresses me when I watch him I mean he, he's insanely explosive he just does a lot of things well. Um, and I know that offense is kind of conducive to huge numbers. Anyway, you look at kind of what justice Hill did before coming in the league, but I think Hubbard's a different kind of guy. You know, I mean, not many running backs put up in the stats that he did last year. And we had what two guys going for 
you know, 2000 yards or whatever it was last year. So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I just think I was a little surprised that he stayed in school. I think he would have been at least in that second round conversation, but you know, he, he kind of does it all. He's got the receptions. He's got the yards per carry. He's got good size. He kind of checks a lot of boxes for me. He could probably improve a little bit on, on uh, pass blocking, but I don't know most or many running backs that don't need to do that in college. So he's definitely a guy I like, um, but he's not as high on my list as Etienne and even not as explosive as that guy. Etienne to me is my number one and it's been clear cut to me for a while. What do you like about him? Yeah. Etienne just has a different gear, really. I mean, I mean, to me, I actually really do like Najee. He, he, he climbed for me. It's starting to feel more like a 1A, 1B, just because they're different types of runners. They both offer something different. I feel like Najee really is a complete back. But, like, Etienne gives me, like, that Chris Johnson vibe. He's that speedy slashing runner, you know. He's got that elite finishing gear, you know. And, and he's got good size, too. He's 5'10", or, uh, yeah, 5'10", 210. So, I mean, he, he's not a small guy either. And... You know, he worried me last year with that quote that came out. You're saying he was scared to catch the ball, I think. But, I mean, he shut me up and shut everybody else up anyways by catching almost 40 balls this year. So, I mean, I couldn't do anything but keep this guy at least number one. Najee's getting close, but Etienne is still that top guy for me. Yeah, the catches was a big thing for sure last year. You know, like you said, I, that quote definitely had me a little worried. It's like, oh, it's like not even that he doesn't want to or he needs to work on it. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm scared to catch it. It's like, oh, shit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he did, like you said, catch almost 40 passes last year, even though he's not necessarily running routes like you would like to see maybe. Yeah. He shows that he's versatile and, and can catch the ball. But, man, the dude puts up 1,600 yards in his sleep. So, he, yeah, I, I get what you're saying about Najee. And Najee really did. He looked like a different running back to me last year. So, I definitely understand that. And it's, it's possible that I – put him ahead of you know Hubbard maybe not in this offseason but I could see very early on next season having having Najee as my number two as well so um but yeah let's talk about a couple other guys the rest of the 2021 eligible guys don't impress me all that much but there's definitely some names and a lot of names that are you know floating around Twitter that that we should definitely talk about and I know one of them is your guy, Keontae Ingram. Just go ahead and kick us off with Keontae, man. I know you like him. Yeah, Keontae is a guy that I really like uh, out of Texas. Uh, he hasn't had really a chance to take over that role over there at Texas. But uh, I feel like 21 could really be his year. I mean, he's six foot. He's two 235, according to the website now, which I hope he hasn't really hit that 235 mark. But he didn't even look 220 last year, which he was listed at. So I hope he's more around that 228 uh, range, which I think he is. But uh yeah, I mean, the production questions are there with Ingram. He hasn't topped 900 yards in any season. I mean, he's been dinged up. Uh, they had a converted quarterback playing running back just because he couldn't stay healthy. But, uh, I mean, this guy's a versatile weapon. I mean, our guy Noah from Bre Breakout Finder, one of our great writers there, he, he likens this guy to Alvin Kamara. And, I mean, this guy has 56 receptions in his career. He's got great hands out of the backfield. He's not running into the flat like we were talking about. He's going downfield. He's catching passes. You know, he has really good pass pro, too. I mean, there's even a... Uh, the guy on Twitter, Jay Moy or whatever, was pointing out uh, Keontae Ingram's blocking skills in the backfield. And uh, he has relatively low miles. He hasn't even had 150 carries in a season, you know. But uh, he looks really good on tape. Like, I, I think he's got great vision. I call him a bait runner. You know, he kind of sells one way, goes the other way. He sets up his blocks nicely. He's got plenty of bursts to get downfield. Got plenty of patience too, you know. He there's this one run on Baylor I remember specifically. I think it was almost a 70 yard run where he kind of just stopped right behind the the, the line. He kind of pulled that Le'Veon Bell and just kind of burst right through it, and then he was almost gone. You know, he, he didn't have that that elite finishing gear to go the whole way. Unfortunately, sometimes you'd like to see that, but yeah, I mean, this guy is the complete package, and I'm hoping that he kind of puts it all together this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great analysis of him. I was kind of high on Jordan Whittington last year coming in to kind of challenge for that spot. And he, he shut that down for sure. And Whittington had some injuries as well, but, um, and obviously now he's shifting to, to wide receiver or back to wide receiver, I guess. And you got Bijan Robinson coming in, who was the consensus number one running back in the nation. 
the dude put up 7,000 yards, 100 plus touchdowns in, in high school. So Bijan's an absolute stud. So it does concern me a little bit that, that he might eat into Ingram's shares, but I think you're right. I think, I think Ingram is the guy and I think he could be a, a fairly big riser, you know, going into next year. Um, and speaking of another consensus, number one running back in previous years, we got Zamir White at Georgia. Now this dude just has had some bad luck after bad luck coming out of high school. He, you know, I think late in his high school tours, tore an ACL in one knee. So it was rehabbing all the freshman year at Georgia, then tore his other ACL. So at least last year he showed he could stay on the field and put up some numbers. Do you like him at, at Georgia this year? You've kind of, you're, you're the Georgia fan. You've kind of been, been on these other guys like Swift and everything. So uh, what's your take on that, that running back room? I was big on Zamir coming out of high school too. I mean, he was getting comparisons to Adrian Peterson, even sometimes. I mean, that's that's quite up there. I mean, that's that's a legendary running back. That's my guy. But anyways, you know, yeah. I really did like like Zamir, but like you said, the knee problems that shit scares the hell out of me. I mean, he, he tears one knee and then he tears the other knee. I mean, it, it, thank God it wasn't the same knee, I guess. But is it really much better that now you've torn both knees? I mean, how is this guy going to check out in medicals when it comes to combine time? So, I mean, I'm a little worried. I mean, but you look at Chubb, who's had his ACL injury, and he hasn't even missed a game since that that big injury. So maybe he could end up being fine. I mean, what what Zamir puts on the field is pretty damn impressive. I mean, he almost looked like Nick Chubb out there with Georgia. I mean, put the number 27 on this guy because he looks like Nick Chubb out there running the ball. I mean, he has a pretty damn good chance to, to rise this year, I think especially with Todd Monken coming in. I mean, if they open up that offense with uh, with Jamie Newman coming in, George Pickens kind of becoming a nice guy, maybe Zamir's going to find more running room than usual. Maybe they won't be as run heavy, but maybe he's going to find less guys in the box and maybe he can put up a nice productive year and climb in these rankings. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I, I really want to see that offense kind of come to life. It just seems like it's been so boring and it's been effective, you know, the last few years, effective enough to get to a certain point. They just need that offense to take the next step to be able to go further and really challenge, I think, for the national championship. But they have a lot of good pieces there, man. But anyways, let's talk about another guy whose name's kind of been trending on Twitter, a guy that seems to be kind of all over the place. We we just recently saw him go shockingly early in one of our Debbie drafts, and that's Journey Brown at Penn State. You know, a lot of guys in our leagues like – Noah Kane last year. Um, and it seemed like he was having a fairly good freshman season, but I don't know if he wore down, if there were some injuries there, but journey Brown at the end of the season, man, he just exploded it, you know, pretty much starting in November, getting a lot more carries, taking a lot of the share away from Noah Kane. And then really what was it in the bowl game? He went for over 200 yards, a couple of touchdowns. The dude was at the end of the year, just a touchdown machine. What's your take on Journey Brown versus Noah Kane? Yeah, he was he was impressive ten ten a year. I mean, he didn't even get over nine hundred yards, but he didn't get more than freaking six carries a game until week eight or something like that. I mean, he he averaged almost seven yards per carry. He was damn impressive. I thought last year, and I mean, you know it, I know it, everyone in our league knows it. I'm not a Noah Kane fan. I I don't see him excelling at the next level. I think he's going to be a good college back. I think he's he's plenty good. I mean, he pounded in seven touchdowns this year. I think he was, or he wrote he got the Penn State rookie record or freshman record for for touchdowns. But I don't find him particularly bursty around the edge or through the hole. But I mean, in regards to Journey Brown, this guy is damn fast. I mean, I, there's that picture floating around Twitter. I'm sure you've seen it uh, of the Penn State testing. And this guy actually beat Saquon Barkley's 40-yard dash time. He apparently runs a 4.29 40-yard dash, which is just insane. I mean, he's 5'11", 206. That's a pretty good, good speed for that size. And, I mean, he's littered all over this thing. He's on he's on the vertical jump list. I think he's third. He's on the broad jump list. He's on the bench press. I mean, this Penn State uh, strength and conditioning program is, is churning out these guys. I mean, if you think of Saquon Barkley's testing in the beginning, coming out of high school, it was pretty pretty lackluster i mean 4.6 he even jumped that high 37 inches but uh they're getting good results out of these guys and journey's just this next guy out of this penn state uh program that seems to be doing super well i think he's gonna blow up the combine yeah i think you're probably right there um 
do you think he has the best shot at, at challenging? I don't know that anyone can really come close to breaking in the top three, but do you think of anyone else in this class, he's the closest one to kind of make that leap into the top three if possible? I think if he gets that workload, I mean, I guess that's the question. How much is Kane going to take? He could, he definitely has a pretty good chance to get into that top five conversation. I mean, we've talked about it before too. After the top three, I think it's a pretty big conversation for who comes next. Who, who is four, who is five. A lot of these guys could climb. Are any going to break Najee Hubbard or Etienne? I don't really think so. I mean, Journey Brown's a good player. He doesn't have that history of success like some of these guys though he doesn't have some of that stuff on his resume but uh, I, I definitely think he could be in the top five conversation going into 21 yeah I think it's tough to challenge for that top three spot and I know a lot of guys that have Kenny Gainwell at their four spot Kenny Gainwell is a guy that you know put up almost what 1500 yards last year um rushing yards and then 600 receiving yards 16 touchdowns the dude put up massive numbers, but we've seen that before in this Memphis offense. Um, you know, are you a Gainwell guy? I know he's kind of undersized for what you and I, you know, when we talk about running backs, it's kind of undersized for what we normally like in a in a model running back that we're we're kind of targeting in Debbie drafts. Are you gonna look at him as anyone different? Is he gonna be in your top ten, top five? Where where does he kind of stand for you? I think right now he's actually out of my top 10. And I think at this point, that's almost becoming a bold statement because a lot of guys are taking this guy pretty high. He went high in both our drafts. Shout out to our guy, Pete. Loves this guy. I'm surprised because he's not usually a guy like these small guys. But uh, 5'11", sub 195, that's concerning to me. That's really concerning to me. I know Memphis is churning out these guys. Daryl Henderson, Pollard, uh, Patrick Taylor, I guess. What if you want to consider him? He's in the NFL anyways. But I mean... This guy does have good skills. He's got the speed. He's got the vision. He's got the versatility. I mean, 51 catches. He's a phenomenal pass catcher. He really is. But to me, the comp that I made, and now I can't get out of my head, is he reminds me of Justice Hill. He really does. And it is a similar size. They have similar running styles. I mean, Justice Hill wasn't as productive in the receiving game, but they both look the same to me on tape. And now I can't get this comp out of my head. And now I don't think he's going to be anything. <laughs> so maybe it's my <laughs> fault. Maybe maybe I got to change that a little bit and kind of hop on the Gainwell train with these guys. But I honestly don't think I'm on board till I'm 200. I mean, I know you're the same way. You don't like these guys when they're tiny. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of look at what Norvell's done there. He's put he's putting these guys in the NFL. But nobody has kind of become the top back for their team. You know, you look at Daryl Henderson. I think you mentioned Tony Pollard, Patrick Taylor, you had Antonio Gibson this year, you know, that Norvell offense has turned out a, a lot of running backs, you know, in his four years in Memphis, they've put up 1500 plus rushing attempts, 10,000 plus rushing yards over 110, you know, rushing touchdowns They're they're It's a great offensive system for running backs and I'm just concerned with him leaving what Gainwell will still do. I think Gainwell has some talent, but like you said, he is a, he is on the smaller side. And Justice Hill, you know, is a pretty good comp. And I know there was people that were fans of him, you know, coming out. But he hasn't shown the ability to take control of the Ravens offense. And then now they go out and draft J.K. Dobbins. So it kind of tells you what they think of Justice Hill. So maybe there's a role there for him. And maybe Gainwell can be that kind of guy. Um, I guess we'll see if he if he becomes the the first Memphis running back to actually take control and become a number one guy in the NFL. But I'm with you, man. I don't quite see it. Yeah, and it kind of has a little bit not not the same players. I'm not making a comp to this, but it kind of has that feeling in our Devi drafts at least of Eno Benjamin last year, where he was kind of the last guy in that 21 class that wasn't drafted yet. And nobody had, everybody had drafted these guys a year before already. You know, we already own all these guys, but now so a new guy gets a little bit productive like Eno did. And now we're looking for that next 21 back, but there's already so many guys. I don't see where Kenny really fits in. And it feels like we're propping him up as another, just we're looking for that fourth and fifth option, that sixth option. But I don't know if this guy's the guy. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think there's a role for him in the NFL. I just don't see him as a lead guy. And he just doesn't really fit my size bias, I guess. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at too. You know, I think 
early on in playing Devi, you kind of, you fall in love with these guys. You watch them a lot. You watch the tape, but then you see the NFL and kind of see patterns of guys they like. And I've started to realize I don't have to like everybody. Not everybody that I do like is going to, is going to make it to the NFL and be a star. So, you know, you kind of got to step back and be like, okay, it's okay if I just like, you know, Etienne Hubbard and Najee, and then maybe, you know, throw something in on journey Brown, or if, you know, really late and it's most likely that he's already owned, but Zamir white, you know, the, he was a top notch talent coming out of, out of high school. You know, these guys, I don't mind taking them later, but like, you know, you know, we were seeing go early first in our drafts last year. And then, like you said, with Gainwell going this year, it does feel, it does feel similar. And it's, it's where I just take a step back and be like, okay, maybe this isn't a guy that I def- definitely need. I'm not going to take a stab on him. I'm going to worry about somebody else or trade the pick, do whatever, but I'm kind of with you on that. And then, you know, another guy that we've talked about like that is Max Borgie. You know, he's another guy who's been tremendous in the passing game. I think he had like 85 receptions or something close to that last year, which is pretty crazy for a college running back. But I, he doesn't fit the mold that I'm looking for. Like I don't see a lot of strong running up the middle from him. And, you know, I think you're kind of the same boat. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't see that rushing skill from him. And I guess we're kind of hoping this year, now that Mike Leach is finally on his way out, that, that Nick Rolovich, I think his name is, is going to come and hopefully get this guy some carries. And maybe he can climb a little bit and hopefully show a little bit rushing the ball. Everybody wants to compare this guy to Christian McCaffrey. And I mean, have you looked at them? I, they might be twins. I mean, they, <laughs> they look like each other. So maybe he is the next Christian McCaffrey, but... Uh, he's definitely a good weapon catching the ball. So he's going to have a role in the NFL. Do I see him as a lead runner at any time? I don't know. I got to see at least 205 from this guy. I think he's sub 200 right now, somewhere around 198, 197, something like that. I got to see at least 205 from this guy, I think, for me to be on board. Um, I know he's going to be good catching the ball. There's going to be somebody who sees a capability for him in their backfield. But I don't know his, his value in some of these Debbie drafts first round, second round, uh, a top three back next year, top two back next year for some people. That to me is insane. I don't know why you're going to bet on an outlier like that. Maybe I'm just missing something that everybody else is seeing, but I'm just not on board with that evaluation. I'm on board with the player. I think he's a good player. I'm just not on board with the evaluation right now. Yeah, I think it's going to take the right NFL team to kind of pick him with an idea of how they want to use him. I don't see him as an every down running back in the NFL. And granted, there aren't too many of those guys left to begin with. So maybe he does have a, a, you know, a decent role at the next level, but I'm always looking for guys that even though they're, they're not used as much anymore, the guys that can be the every down guy, the guy that can do it all. And that's, I think why, why the, our top three are so high because they can kind of do it all. Um, And, you know, along those lines with Borgie, now you got Mike Leach at, Mississippi state with Kylan Hill. Um, you know, he's a guy that I've kind of liked. I've had on my Debbie for a couple years now. He's been a good running back. He's been a solid receiver as well. He, I guess surprised me a little bit when he came back this year, but he probably got good advice to say, Hey, you need to go keep, keep working on your, on your game. And now with Mike Leach there, I think that probably helps sway his, his decision so I think going into this year, Kylan Hill can kind of showcase his receiving game more so and and really kind of improve his all-around game going into the draft next year. Do you have any strong takes on Kylan Hill? I know I drafted him so early in, in our devies. Nobody else really had an opportunity. But, um, yeah, give me your take, man. Yeah, maybe it's because you took him in every damn draft that we had. I never actually got fully on board on the Kylan Hill train, I guess. But uh, he looks really comfortable out there catching the ball. So I think with Mike Leach coming in, you know, I don't think a, a Mike Leach RB uh, running back has had less than 80 targets in a season. So, I mean, he's going to get a lot, a ton of targets in that offense. He already has the rushing production on tape. He looks like a good runner. He's a decisive runner downhill runner he breaks tackles he's got good size 5'11 215 but 
to me, he does have a little bit, I don't know what your take is, but to me, he does look like he has a little bit of questionable athleticism. I mean, I sometimes looks like he, he coming off contact, he can't burst very well away from it. He can't get back up to speed very quickly. He doesn't seem like one has that elite finishing gear. He doesn't look particularly shifty. He doesn't look like a, like a dancer really out there. Like, which is sometimes a good thing, a good decisive runner, but maybe he's kind of a Jamal Williams type runner to me, like a, like with the Green Bay Packers. Like maybe that, that's kind of the feeling I got from Kylan Hill. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. And that's definitely something that shows up on tape. You know, if he's in open space, he's pretty good. But yeah, like you said, it, it really is the burst for me that that is lacking. And that's the my biggest concern from him. You know, he's he's not going to be the home run hitter. Uh, I do think he has shown at times to be physical enough to kind of run over guys or bounce off guys. But then from there, you know, in the NFL, these guys are a lot faster. There's, you're not bouncing off somebody and then not being touched again for another five yards. You know, usually these guys are going to be right on top of you. So that's my definite concern with Kylan Hill. And that's, you know, even these other guys that I, you know, talk about liking it's, I just, yeah, it's hard for me to see, see these guys having, it's not the same depth as what we saw, I think, going into the draft this year um, with a lot of the top-end talent. But, you know, there's really just only a few more guys that, that you kind of see names bouncing around out there. Um, Jamar Jefferson, um, you know, C.J. Verdell, he's a guy that that seems to be kind of climbing a little bit. You know, he's he's been solid. He's put up over 1,000 yards in both his, you know, freshman and – in sophomore seasons and has been, you know, at least used in the passing game. Not, not as much as, you know, maybe you'd like to see, but is he a guy that's on your radar at all? I don't, I don't hate Verdell. I don't love Verdell, I guess. I think he's a good runner. I think he's a, a good solid all around kind of guy, you know, uh, a couple of times I did kind of want to see some more juice out of him. I, a lot of people talk about his, his athleticism as a good thing, but I can't remember. I think it was against Washington state where he got hit a couple times and it, it looked like it, he got chased down by a linebacker right after he couldn't get that up back up to speed very quickly. And I was actually kind of surprised, you know, he, he's not too powerful. He doesn't, I don't see him moving piles too much. You know, I haven't been one that's been in love with Verdell, but I haven't hated him. Maybe a, a team is going to see him. Maybe he's going to be next year's Keyshawn Vaughn. You know, maybe he's that someone's going to see a good use for him, but I, I'm not in, entirely on the Verdell train. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. And I, you know, conversely with Jamar Jefferson over at Oregon state, you know, I, he's kind of the same for me. I'm just, I don't want to say he's just a guy. I think they, they've shown talent at times. It's just they're They haven't done a whole lot that really impresses me. Now they have put up good numbers. So, you know, maybe, maybe next year they'll take that next leap. And so like we talked about with Najee, he just kind of, took his game to a whole nother level. So if these guys can do that, then then maybe I'll be a little bit more interested in. And along those lines, another guy who's who's put up pretty good numbers, but you and I have both not been on his train, I don't think at any point, is Kennedy Brooks. Do you see that changing? I know some people in our leagues like him, but but man, I just, I cannot get on board with Kennedy Brooks. No, he's, he's the definition of a stat compiler to me. Like, you know, he, he's in a big 12 offense where I, a lot of people call it the defenseless big 12 really, because it's, it's wide open lanes a lot of these times. And, and you know, he's a, he's a good college running back. That's, that's what I think of him. Like he doesn't wow me. I, I don't think I've watched any play where I've gone. Wow. That was amazing. Or that was crazy. Or if, so he runs through a big hole and he runs for 60 yards or he runs for 10 yards this way or, or whatever. I mean, to me, he, he just doesn't look that all that impressive. So, I mean, he, he hasn't done anything to lose the job, though. He's been efficient. He, he's averaged almost eight yards per carry for his career. I can't really say anything bad about him. But it's, to me, it's just what he put up, he puts on tape. I know maybe analytics guys are going to like this guy for that efficiency, for what he's done with limited touches, you know, 1,000 yards each of the past two years. But I, I just don't see it with this guy. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And, you know, I know Trey Sermon transferring out might – clear some more carries for him. It was a little surprising what happened with Trey Sermon last year. It just seemed like he was the forgotten guy in that offense. And I never understood it because to me, he always looked like the most impressive running back for them, much more so than Kennedy Brooks. So, you know, I'm happy to see him end up at, at Ohio state. At least maybe now he'll get some run. 
Yeah, and Sermon is a guy that I've been high on for for a long time. I mean, even as as a freshman, I think you drafted him in our league. I think you got him in the third round. And not a day later, I think I gave you a first round pick for the guy because I was just so on board with this guy. And, you know, I ended up trading him away anyways. I couldn't hold on because I'm always like that. But, yeah, I mean, Sermon's just been a guy I've been huge on. He's got the size, the 6'1", 215. He's got the moves. I mean, have you seen his footwork king videos? I mean, let's just put that out there for a second. Well, you know how I like that. <laughs> yeah, if you're not hyped on, on Trey, just go watch the footwork king videos. But, but he really does have milky smooth hips. The way this guy moves and evades tacklers. I mean, guys just seem to bounce off this guy. He can he can make his way through traffic for that size where you kind of look you kind of watch the guy and you go, is this guy even really like that athletic? I don't get it. It's kind of like that Kareem Hunt thing where he finds his way through traffic somehow, and you're somehow wondering how he came out the other side of that pile. And I mean, he's got good versatility. He's another guy who's catching those balls down the field. He's used as more than just a running back out of the backfield. You know, uh, he's just been dinged up a lot. He hasn't been able to take over over the job in at OU I mean I mean uh, yeah at OU um but I'm hoping now going to OSU that he's gonna get the chance I mean he has to he, he's he's lined it's a, the opportunity of a lifetime he's lined up with a Heisman quarterback he's lined up with a potential playoff team and he's lined up with a team that just had J.K. Dobbins rush for 2,000 yards last year yeah and I think it's now is a perfect time to bring up a new segment called Let's be blunt. Hit the fucking What blunt. the fuck are we doing? Drafted Master Teague ahead of Trey Sermon. I mean, look, Master Teague's coming off an Achilles injury. We don't know exactly what the the degree of injury is. Ohio State's been pretty quiet on that one. But man, there's no reason he should be going. You know, I'm seeing him in mocks going in round three, and then Sermon's going three rounds later. Like, I don't get it. Obviously, there's enough there that Trey Sermon said, yeah, I want to go to Ohio State because I'm probably going to get some run because they have nobody else there right now. Yeah, I mean, you, this guy had to have gotten inside information. after He just shared the backfield with Kennedy Brooks, and I can't imagine that's what he wanted to go to again. He must know something about this injury. He must know the seriousness of it, the severity of it, and he must know that he's coming into a lead role there. I mean, it's his last year before the NFL. I don't think he would have made the move knowing that Teague was going to be healthy and play again. I mean, I get it with Teague. He was a great-looking prospect. He looked like he was up to 220, I think, this year. He had four four wheels. He, he showed pretty damn well last year at backing up J.K. Dobbins. So I get it. I get it with Teague. But you guys need to realize that this guy had an Achilles injury, okay? They also just got Travion Henderson, the, 21, the top 21 back next year. He's going to be coming in next year. Okay, there's no guarantee with Teague anymore. There really isn't. And you need to start bringing up Trey because Trey is going to be a big part of this offense going forward. I mean, having fields in in the backfield too is just going to open things up for Trey. If it's if Trey can hit up to almost 2,000 yards again, how can we not be considering this guy in the top five conversation next year? Yeah, Trey's definitely a guy that I think could have an absolute breakout. And I, you know, I'm rooting for the guy. I really think in this offense, he can be what we kind of hoped he would be, you know, at Oklahoma. And you bring up a good point about Travion Henderson and not, you know, nothing's guaranteed to, to Teague because man, Henderson is insanely talented. In fact, we saw him go, I think in the second round, early second round in our recent Debbie draft, which is a little bit of a surprise to me, but you know, I think, it might be useful. Let's, let's just kind of run through our recent Debbie draft that we just did um, and kind of give our thoughts on, on each round. So this is a third year Debbie league and we do five rounds each year. So it is a little bit depleted, but let's just run through this real quick. The first pick, it was CEH. Not really a surprise there. Number two was Jamar chase. I chose George Pickens at the third spot. Journey Brown went at the fourth spot, Justin, Jefferson went five. I then came back with Bateman at six. We had Denzel Mims, Isaiah Spiller, Kenny Gainwell, Joe Burrow, David Bell, and Max Borgie round out the top 12. So were any of those picks surprises to you? um, Or did it kind of go how you expected? Yeah. I mean, you getting George Pickens at number three. I love that pick. I mean, he's my number one 22 wide receiver. I think he's going to have a huge breakout with Newman this year. I mean, even if you look at last year with with uh, Newman with Surratt, I mean, in eight games, the guy had a thousand yards already. So, I mean, Newman, I mean, um, Pickens is is five times the, the player Surratt is, in my opinion. I mean, I could see these guys blowing up next year. So I think you got a good get there. 
I mean, my one surprise, obviously, I think we went through it before in my, in the first round was Pete going with Kenny Gainwell, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously we gave our thoughts on, on Gainwell earlier. So yeah, but then to his credit, he came back and totally redeemed himself with David <laughs> Bell at the 11 spot. Cause that's a guy that I absolutely love uh, going into next year as well. So yeah, he, he's a big climber for me too. I mean, what he did there in Purdue with Rondale Moore there. I mean, I guess there's some concern there with Moore coming back, how this is going to split going forward. Now is Bell going to see enough to keep this value where it is? But uh, I mean, I think he showed enough. Uh, he's definitely in my, I think he's my fourth wide receiver for the 22 class right now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's like you said, with, with more coming back, man, that, that offense could be pretty, pretty solid there. Um, well, yeah, moving on. So we got at the first pick of the second round, we got Devonte Smith followed by Travion Henderson, Brandon Ayuk, 204, Chris Olave followed by Theo Weiss. Tyrion Davis-Price, Joshua Kelly, Elijah Moore, Van Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, Eric Gray, Jameer Gibbs. So I took Gray at the 11 spot of the second round. Man, he's a guy that I absolutely love. I've been on record for a while saying that. So I was happy to get my guy. That was my only pick of this round. There were some surprising picks in this one. Yeah, I mean, you've been trying to wake the people up on Eric Gray for a while, but everybody's still sleeping. I mean, we're in a we're in a sec, we're on our second draft now this weekend, and I think you just got him in the third round. So you got him a, a round later yet. People I are did. still sleeping on yeah. People are still sleeping on this guy. You know, he's definitely a great talent. But uh, you know, out of this out of this group, Trayvon Henderson was definitely a surprise. That was a little early for me. You're gonna take a 21 running back or a 21 freshman running back in the second round. That's that's a lot of hope to get that product that value back from that guy in the second round i just it, it, we've seen these guys not work out before these number one rated backs so uh, i you know he's a good player obviously i haven't dove into the 21 class yet i'm still working through this 20 class but yeah i mean he was a little bit of a surprise there you know the theo weiss pick was nice i was lucky enough to kind of be on that train last year i got him late i think round five last year in a couple of our drafts to see me going in the second round already and i get it with the Jadon hasselwood injury he's probably going to be seeing a big year now with spencer rattler probably taking over at quarterback so i hope we can see some good things there from him but uh yeah happy you got your guy there at eric gray yeah definitely and you know Devonta Smith is a guy who I, I absolutely love too. I think I said it at the end of our drafts last year. I wish I could have gotten him, you know, in our drafts last year, but I just, I didn't have another pick and I couldn't take him above Pickens or Bateman. So to me, it's like, you know, I, th- that's a guy that just seems like I'm going to miss out on again this year just because he's going so much higher than he was last year. Um, you know, Gibbs to close it out is, you know, he's another one of those freshman running backs that I think we're both pretty high on and should have a, you know, at least a decent shot at starting at Georgia Tech. So, you know, that was a little bit of a surprise to kind of kick off what, you know, then proceeded to be kind of that freshman top tier running back run. You know, a couple of these other guys were already already owned, like was it Bowman was owned, uh, Bijan Robinson, they were already owned. So then, you know, you got Gibbs here. And then at the 301, we got Verdell in that spot, but then Kendall Milton, Marshawn Lloyd at 303, Brevin Jordan, Raheem Jarrett, Antonio Gibson, Kyle Pitts, Jackson Smith. I don't even know how you pronounce it. Um, we'll just call him JSN. Uh, Nijigba. Nijigba. Uh, Eric Gilbert, Chase Claypool, Raheem Boyd, and DJ Williams. Now, you know, in this one, I actually had four picks, so I was able to snag Marshawn Lloyd. Um, JSN, uh, Eric Gilbert, and DJ Williams late. And it was shocking to me that DJ Williams hadn't gone to that point. Right. It's kind of like the whole Eric Gray thing. I mean, I even tried to write an article to tell the people about what's going on with DJ Williams. But again, nobody wants to uh, wake up to this guy. But but yeah, like you said, I, I was a little bit surprised that Gibbs was the first freshman running back to go about off. I mean, I'm, a, I'm definitely higher on Milton. I'm definitely higher on Lloyd. I just got myself a share of Lloyd, too, in our other draft. So we're Lloyd buddies now. We can cheer for him together. No, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jameer, a little bit, uh, it's the size bias thing with him again, too. Sub 200 guy. He's super young, though. I mean, he's a guy that obviously we can think is going to grow in, in these few years. It's not unfathomable to see this guy get to 205, 210 eventually. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about size when they're coming in this, this young. So Gibbs is still a good pick there. I know our guy, RT, dives real deep. He, he knows his guys. So if he thinks that Gibbs is going to be a good guy, I, I respect his, uh, his decision there to go with him first. 
Yeah, definitely. And it was also the, you know, kind of the third round tight end run where you saw Brevin Jordan and Kyle Pitts go off, who I think, you know, we've talked about last week are kind of, or are, you know, at least interchangeable, our top two guys going into next year's draft for tight ends with, uh, with Friar Muth, you know, in that mix. But, you know, these are the two guys that are the most athletic and should put up big numbers this year, I think in good offenses. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to see tight ends go. I don't think tight ends have really been a big part of our David drafts in the in the past. I understand the Eric Gilbert pick. He's a freak, obviously. I mean, if anybody's going to be the next generational tight end, it's going to be this guy. I don't know if I see that with Pitts. I don't know if I see that with Jordan. I think they're going to be good players. Uh, Brevin Jordan even kind of gives me like that Evan Ingram effect. I kind of said that last year or uh, last pod. But yeah, I'm surprised that we're taking tight ends now in the third round. I mean, I guess it's getting that deep in the pool, but I don't think I'm ever going to be a guy to really spend the draft capital on a tight end when they usually take three years, four years to even get acclimated to the NFL. I mean, uh, I don't see wasting draft capital on that. I'll just go out and get the Higbees and get the Wallers and get the whoever the hell I need to get. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, you know, I'm usually in that boat. I did go with Gilbert this time, but like you said, I just think he's a physical freak. And when they start talking about like, oh yeah, we can use him like we did Calvin Johnson in Detroit when the OC saying that, it's like, okay, yeah, let me see this as freshman year, but let me grab him now just in case he explodes. So finishing up, we do a four round draft. So we got at 401, Kamar Wheaton, Jaden Hazelwood, Jaron Ely, Tank Bigsby, Deami Brown, Jamie Newman, Mecca Ibuka, Israel Ibanaconda, KJ Hamler, Darrington Evans, Will Shipley, and Sage Surratt. So, you know, to me, some of these names like Ely fell probably further than he should have. And he's a guy that I thought about, but again, he kind of is that undersized guy for me. So that's why I went with DJ Williams over him at the end of the third round. But, you know, I was a little surprised to see him last into the fourth round. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't in this draft. You guys haven't noticed. I haven't been saying many of my picks throughout this entire draft because I was just a spectator. I mean, thankfully, I've kind of been pushing for that title for the past couple of years. So I've been trading away my picks. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I would have let Ely fall that far. I'm surprised he kind of did. I mean, I know the baseball worries are there. Uh, the size, his size is good enough. I know some people want to point to his size. I, I'm not too worried about that. Um, he, he looks like a good player. I mean, in the fourth round, that was great value. I think it was Bartos that made that pick and... Uh, I hate Bartos because he's such a savvy drafter. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one of Blake's picks, Deami Brown, that dude could put up a lot of big numbers next year. Um, the only thing that worries me is it's in a kind of a watered down ACC defensive wise. But I think that North Carolina offense is going to be really, really good next year, you know, because they were returning damn near everybody. So, Oh, definitely. And I know some people will probably be a little bit surprised with our breakout finder writings or rankings that are coming out pretty soon, but Sam Howell is pretty up there for us. So, I mean, that, that offense is going to be something. And speaking of that, you know, one guy that I wrote an article on, so I was able to grab him at the four Oh eight spot was Izzy Abanaconda, uh, running back at Pitt. You know, he's a guy, he, you know, I mentioned in the article, he's kind of a flyer for me for sure. Um, you know, if you're not in a deep Debbie, I don't think I would highly recommend drafting him, but he is a guy that I could see kind of creeping up there. At least I, that's kind of what I see. You know, he's got a clear path to to be the starter as a freshman, and those are kind of guys that I like, which is why I drafted him, which is why I drafted Marshawn Lloyd as well. So, you know, another one, I guess we had Will Shipley was the other – well, no, we had Kamar Wheaton and Will Shipley. So guys that, you know – technically aren't even enrolled in college yet going off again here after Travion went in the second round. So yeah, to me, I went into this not wanting to draft any, any guys that are still in high school, which uh, I've definitely done a lot of in the past, but um, kind, kind of a shift in strategy now because those guys are now in college and they're, you know, I just, I didn't need to continue going down that route. So any other picks in this one surprise you? Uh, you know, I guess it's not that surprising when when we think about where the NFL is going with their wide receivers, but Sage Surratt falling all the way to the last pick of this entire draft. I mean, he's a top 30 guy in ADP in some of these sites. I know Devi Watch, I think he's somewhere in the 30s. Uh, DLF's got him somewhere in the 30s. So, I mean, this could be a screaming value here. The athleticism questions are clear. 
I mean, he's coming off that injury too, I guess. But I mean, he put up a thousand yards in, in in only eight games. I mean, this guy could end up being a steal. Maybe he's maybe he's closer to T. Higgins. I don't know. The athleticism is going to be the big question with him. But I, I thought Pack got a screaming value there. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, and you know, it's a fourth round pick, which is usually where he finds finds those types of values. So um, it's where he does his best work. It is where he does his best work. So. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it was an interesting draft. I can't say that I, you know, was overly surprised, but at certain times, some of the picks kind of kind of surprised me, and I I was pretty happy with the haul that I got um, coming out of this one. But you know, there was there were some picks in there that were actually sharper than I expected. So you know, maybe people are are listening to us finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we have a big part of this, I think. I'd like to yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I think, you know, after running through that, we've got other Debbie drafts that we'll probably go through in the, in upcoming pods. We kind of want to hit, you know, probably wide receivers next, I think, but yeah, I'm just going to keep putting out, putting out Debbie content. So definitely give us a follow at DJ Indy and follow Corey at, ff underscore guitarist you know please just just hit us up and you know start a conversation with us if you have any questions about any of these people you know we're happy to answer them if you want to be critical of the drafts please by all means do that bring it on you know we welcome that kind of stuff so Corey, any last words no it was uh it was fun talking about these uh debbie guys finally you know i'm Glad we're going through our startup drafts now, our actual drafts, our Debbie drafts. And it's an exciting time in the Debbie world right now. A lot of news coming out. And uh, I'm looking forward to this season that we're definitely going to have. Absolutely. Thinking positive, right? <laughs> right, man. Right. All right, man. As always, good talking to you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>